Hi, and welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and with us today, uh, joining us again is Dr. Hoffman, who's uh, 30 years of experience building and managing large, successful research and develop programs, uh, developmental programs, and uh, he, he's actually a scientist, and we've decided to bring him in to, to talk a little bit about science. What a concept. Uh, Dr. Hoffman, it's a pleasure to have you back. It's Brian, it's a pleasure to be back. <laughs> we're going to... Uh, we're going to take the inevitable break to sell, uh, you know, the air. And so when we, when we get back, we'll talk a little bit about COVID-19, the variant uh, and vaccines and horse dewormers. Oh, boy. Stick around. We'll be right back. Attention, JATQ listeners. This is a friendly reminder that our weekly newsletter will be moving to the online newsletter database called Substack. Our entire back catalog of weekly updates will be available there, as well as Brian's articles from Playboy and Bulwark. You can check all of that out at justaskthequestion.substack.com. That's justaskthequestion.substack.com. Hi, we're back. It's Just Ask the Question with me, Dr. Stephen Hoffman, who's going to talk to us a little bit about the pandemic. When we last had you on the show, I gosh, that was back in December, uh, we were talking about how the pandemic would end. And I don't think anyone could have predicted uh, this turn of events. I, I mean, we did worry about variants, but uh, people uh, holding off on getting vaccines has been very problematic. And I guess I just want to ask, let's start with that question. You're a scientist. Is the vaccine safe? I'm not sure, Brian, if there's ever been a safer vaccine. No time in the history of the world have five to six billion doses of a new vaccine been administered in six to nine months. Um, And and let me just step back for a second, because I am confounded just like you are and many others are regarding the the breadth of response to the vaccine. So on June 11th, the American Medical Association announced a survey of practicing physicians in the United States. So that's three and a half months ago. At that point, 96% of practicing medical doctors in the United States were fully vaccinated. If we're going to look for advice, who are we gonna look to other than our doctors, all right? Right. If 96% of the practicing doctors, now we do know that there's problems elsewhere in the healthcare profession with medical assistants, some nurses and so on, but the doctors have voted overwhelmingly 
they're the ones best educated, best trained, the most experienced to interpret the data, to look at the side effects. They're the ones giving it, they're the ones seeing their patients and they voted with their feet and their arms to be vaccinated. So I start with that. The amount of disinformation out there regarding vaccines is beyond extraordinary and very sad that such a high percentage of our society has rejected truth and science. Yeah, it's almost like we're in li- reliving the midi- medieval ages to me. It's, it seems a lot like well, that, but a technological middle age. Well, the di- but the difference is that we didn't have science in the mid- middle ages, in, the, in, in medieval times. There, you know, we were, there was a lot of this, you know, this came from powers that be, it came from God, it came from all over, you know, whatever, uh, it came from evil spells. Um, I hope that most of us understand that's not the case with COVID-19. <laughs> um, but I have to go back to this issue about that all the doctors are getting vaccinated, right? No, yeah, that makes um, sense. Why, and, and now why would you be so happy to take a drug starting with chloroquine, other, you know, hydroxychloroquine, chloroquine, now ivermectin, um, and that there's no real data that they, that they do anything. Um, well, except I, I don't get it, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, well, in but, talking well, to... So it, let me just back up for a second. Brian, yeah. let me just say something. Sure. I'm a tropical infectious disease expert. Yes. Chloroquine was introduced in the late 1940s for treating malaria. Ivermectin, which is a parasitic infection. Ivermectin was introduced in the late 70s, early 80s for treating dog heartworm, a a parasitic infection, and then used to treat river blindness, onchocerciasis in Africa, a tropical parasitic infectious disease. So I'm well aware of the two drugs that have gotten (laughs) the most notoriety and have used them tremendously in my career. All right. So it, it's just astonishing to me that that the lay public would be going out in droves trying to get take ivermectin as opposed to the vaccine for which we have so much data. And, and just one last point that I've made when I've talked to other people. Six months ago, when there was the issue of blood clots in the brain, primarily, right. particularly from the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, six cases in 6 million doses were identified. And we stopped the, we, first of all, we identified. Secondly, it was stopped by the FDA and the CDC from using it for a few weeks until an analysis could be done. That's an extraordinary low rate of any kind of side effect. Yes. That's one in a million. It could be literally, one in 200,000, one in 500,000, one in a million. The polio vaccine that everybody gave to their children and so on causes polio in one case in a million, all right? Um, (laughs) The oral polio vaccine, yet we had no problem with that. So it is rather extraordinary. The logic here baffles me. Well, I I think it's a lack of logic, but that's just me. Well, but let's, let, let let me float down that stream a little bit. When I talk to people who, uh, are reticent to get vaccinated. One of the, or, or flat out oppose a vaccination. One of the things they always tell me is I, I've done my own research and I'd really like to know what that entails because 
I, if, if that entails talking to people and gathering anecdotal evidence, that's not my idea of research. The research has actually been done by the scientists. So when someone says, hey, I, I want to do my own research, I imagine them with, you know, like uh, test tubes and vials and, and an incubator <laughs> and, and, and a centrifuge machine. And, and I don't think anybody's doing that. But is there, are there things that people who are, are reticent to take the vaccine, are there things that they can do that can reassure them that, hey, look, take, just get vaxxed, just get it? So let me back up from that for a second and say, okay. um, if you believe that, that the director of CDC or Tony Fauci or somehow is out to get you, or is out to I've heard that one too making some kind of money like billions of dollars you know on this because they're selling a vaccine then you got a problem I, I don't know what to tell you because these are career public servants um, they're not getting any money out of this you know it would be one thing if you talked about the CEO of Moderna or something or other like that right but the CDC is compiling on a daily basis the results of what's going on in the United States. The World Health Organization is compiling those results in the world. Different governments are compiling that, those data, and um, there's nothing there. I would say go to the CDC and, and if you, if, if you want to believe them. If you don't believe them, what, what can I tell you? I mean, I'm a medical doctor. 96% of the doctors are getting vaccinated. The CDC says this. Um, so, um, you know, I've talked to people and one of the things they say, more people have died from COVID vaccine than any vaccine in history, right? First of all, if you took, if, if you took 6 billion or 2 billion people and just watched them, a very high, you know, many of them are going to die, right? <laughs> I mean, they're going to die during the next, you know, and, and so that, that, of course, there's a lot of people dying who got the COVID vaccine because two billion people have gotten the vaccine <laughs> or more at this point. I haven't looked up today's figures. You know, last I looked, but they're not dying. They're not specific. Years. Yeah, they're not specifically dying from the vaccine. Correlation right. is not causation. It's just because right. you know, post hoc ergo well, proctor. Well, just I mean, if I did, if I exactly, and if I look at it, was the same thing happened with the. The, you know, the sinus, the, the thrombosis they were looking at right. is that the, the incidence in the regular population was not much, was pretty much the same um, as what was happening in the vaccinees. But you had, you were surveying carefully uh, 6 million people, 5 million people, 2 million, whatever it might be. And of course, there's going to be things that happen to those people. You could also easily say the vaccine causes automobile accidents or gunshot wounds because in the con you know, context of this, that also occurs. But that's why we do all of these double-blind placebo-controlled trials. When they have been done, there's nothing that comes up. And right. um, of course, you, you people get their arm hurts. They do, you know, particularly younger people can have uh, fever episodes for 24 hours and malaise. Um, there are some some cases of in younger um, uh, males, particularly uh, heart inflammation, but it's a very low level. It resolves, and um, you know the public health benefits are so extraordinary. So let me tell you. I'll tell you a story that I that I I had a, a friend of mine. Um, 
who is a very liberal, very humanitarian, goes on missions to build houses and so on and so forth. Um, just the finest guy you ever met. And he mentioned to me that he wasn't vaccinated. And I said to him, um, we I went through a long period of discussing it with him. At the end of it, when I was over, my wife said, why are you yelling at this guy? Who are you talking to? Who are you yelling at? And, and I said, look, if I know who you are as a person, if you go out, drive home, and you see a car on fire, and there's a, two children in there or whatever, I know that you're the kind of person who will risk your life to go in and try to save them. Now you're telling me that you won't take a vaccine with well-established public health impact that might have a one in a five million chance of something going wrong with you. Um, it doesn't make any sense. Um, the, the, there's just, the logic doesn't, you know, doesn't hold. Well, that's when you when you talk to people like that, for example, um, and they say, you know, one of the things that they do say, and you touched on it, is that well, the reason why this we don't need a vaccine, and this uh, and the disease was created in a lab, militarized by the uh, you know it was a, a militarization of a of a of a vac of a virus in a sure. Chinese yeah in a in a Chinese uh, yeah. lab. And that uh, everyone's making money off of it. And I see that misinformation everywhere. And when you ask people where they got that from, it's they heard it from someone, they saw it on a, uh, on a YouTube or they saw it. And that's the real, real investigation that they're doing. So how do you attack that as a scientist? What, what, because my, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I, I feel like what this is exposed more than anything else. And I was going to spend a second block on that, but I'll get right to it. It seems to me like we just need better science education in this country. It seems like when we adopted all, you know, no child left behind, they all got left behind and nobody understands science anymore. The other thing that I hear, so that's the second, the first question. The second question is I hear, well, science keeps changing its mind. And so I can't trust it. And I go, look, science isn't politics. When you change your mind in science, that's because you've accumulated more data, which allows you to make a better decision. So, and they, and people will say, well, I don't understand. And I go, well, do you believe the earth revolves around the sun or that the sun revolves around the earth? And I go, well, I'm not an idiot. Of course, the earth revolves around the sun. And, and most people will say it's not flat. So I consider that a, a, a step in the right direction. But I said, hey, well, if you believe that the earth revolves around the sun, why? Science told you 2000 years ago that it was the other way around. Why well, it changed its mind. And I, I, I find as a lay person, it's very difficult to get people to understand that A, the accumulation of data dictates changing of, of mind. And why, and then go back to the first question. And so have at it, it's all yours. <laughs> How do you approach let, it in science? Let me answer the second let, let me answer the second part of this first, all okay. right? Um, we haven't had a pandemic in 100 years, okay? You want me to tell you why scientifically we haven't? I don't know, all right? The, the, you know, there was no perfect storm. There wasn't the right conditions. There wasn't the right virus. Um, and um, we've been able, probably don't have a flu pandemics the way we're talking about, because of we had vaccines, all right? And a good percentage of the population was vaccinated 
had previously experienced it. And so it, it would always die out. You know, it comes, right. it goes. We have 80,000 deaths, you know, one year, 20,000 another from flu. But here we have this virus. And let's not go to who, where it was created and where it came from. And we were scared 20 years ago with SARS, right? Yeah. The first one. Yes. Um, and fortunately, it didn't have the staying power, the penetration ability of this. But there was a lot of fear for a few months there. Um, and let me just say, our response to this virus now is because some people never gave up on trying to develop a vaccine for the first SARS, right? So a lot of what we have now for the vaccines and why we could move so fast was because of the first SARS. Um, now, now you come along and you get this disease that behaved in a way that no infectious agent that we've ever dealt with in the last hundred years has ever behaved. And you're, so we're learning. Uh, in the beginning, uh, let's start with some of what people say is the misinformation. They say, in the beginning, Tony Fauci told us not to wear a mask, all right? Well, first of all, that's because we had a shortage of masks and we needed masks for our healthcare personnel first. And so if we have a run on every mask in the country, um, what about the people who are really on the front lines, all right? Yeah. Shortly thereafter, we went to a masking policy, all right? I still have people call me up and say, well, masks don't really work. And of course, we're seeing guidance coming out for getting better masks, all right? So the next time you have an operation, don't have a mask work. from the doctor. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Yeah, I, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, doctors have been wearing masks, you know, you think they shouldn't be? Want to go back <laughs> to the Middle Ages? No gloves, no mask, dig in, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, so, then, then, but let's get to June, all right? Let's go to June. You know, I can't talk about, I could talk for hours about this. In June, the vaccines are looking phenomenal. Yeah. The virus is coming down, May, June, or whatever. We're watching what's going on in India with the Delta variant and so on. And we're thinking, hey, we really got this thing licked. Could be by the end of the, if we get through, what I would tell people at that point, if we get through Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays and it doesn't explode, we're really going to be on the other side of this. And then we get a perfect, and now the governors all ease all the restrictions. And people behave as if there isn't a, co a, a pandemic, right? Yes. Yes. Now you have a perfect storm. Three things occur at the same time. We ease the restrictions. We, and by the way, in my company, we never ease the restrictions. And the NIH never eased the restrictions. We right. demanded indoor masks, even though our landlord said we didn't have to have them. So we have a big building with multiple tenants, uh, all biotech or NIH or whatever, uh, 300,000 square feet. And the, the biotech companies didn't ease the restrictions. We had to keep doing indoor masking. But the landlord was following the state directive, which was we could stop it. All right, so now people are going out, people are having weddings, they're going to church, they're doing whatever they might do and behaving as if it's over. Now we get a virus that's three, four, five times more transmissible. And in terms of vaccination, most vaccines, the good ones we have, A, need three doses 
and need to be boosted, all right? Yeah. We went in with our two dose and one dose vaccines and we got good responses initially, but I'm a vaccinologist, this is my specialty. I never anticipated, particularly the mRNA vaccines, which are not the best way to make antibodies, but they're the fastest way to make anything. They're, they're a technology that's made for the pandemic, all right? Because look at how fast they got them going, yes. right? Um, and and um, as you've heard recently from Tony Fauci, the, the vaccine regimen is probably three doses. We yeah. have another virus, hepatitis B surface antigen. The first vaccine, it was one dose time zero, one month and then or two months and then six months. So now we have waning of immunity from the vaccine. We have a, a virus that's four times more infectious. And we have people behaving as if it's all over. Yeah. It's like a perfect stand. We have all these people that won't get vaccinated. Well, so now you have this perfect storm hitting. So, and did we know that was going to occur? We could have, you know, maybe predicted it, but it was looking so good in May that we, you know, we, well, went we didn't forward anticipate approach. Now you have to scientifically going to the next approach. You have, you know, it's, um, um, you know, the head of, of NIH was on one day and he said, if you're playing in the stock market, you're going to keep this keeping in the same stocks all the time, or are you going to be changing because based on what the, the business climate is and so on, we look at the jobs thing and we look at the profits and so on. The same thing here. We didn't know, and we're still learning about this virus and we don't know if it's going to evolve yet again. Um, and, or we're going to get a different variant that's resistant. So we have to keep up with it. And, but I believe that the kinds of responses, and look, I can criticize particular announcements. I was not happy when, when the, you know, the CDC and, and governors and came out and said, we can restrict, you know, uh, we can re rescind some of these restrictions. I right. thought that that was foolish, but again, there's economic, there's political, there's all kinds of things going on all at the same time. Well, um, but the basic thing here, it, it, you know, Explain to me this. Here's my conundrum about the, the, you know, easing of restrictions and the changing of this and people upset about vaccines. I, I want to go back to when I got, when I had to go to school, I had a vaccination card. I couldn't go to school if I didn't have my rubella right. shot. I didn't have my, you know, I, I still have the scar on my shoulder from German measles. We all got the polio vaccine and, and, and no one questioned it. I mean, it was mandatory. You want to go to school, you right. had to get vaccinated. Right. And we all knew that you had to get right. boosters because every once in a while, you'd have to go back to the doctor and your mom would take you in and you'd scream and yell as a doctor poked you in the arm for another booster shot. What happened? to? Did we just have collective amnesia about how this crap works? Or, have we, it, or is it because the politics has gotten involved in it so much? I mean, I, I, you right. have... Yeah, so, so look, I'm not a, yeah. I, I mean, you, you, what, you, you let, have let me comment on that. Okay. Okay, go ahead. Go, all go right, ahead. so look, um, I'm a political science major, all right? That's what <laughs> I measured in college, not, not biology, all right? <laughs> and when I came in the first day, my first course was by a very famous professor at the University of Pennsylvania. And he says, political science is the master science, all right? <laughs> so now I... I don't know what to tell you. If you look today at the figures, all right, if, if you take the 12 to 15 states 
with the highest incident rate in the last week, month or whatever of COVID infections, the highest incidence rate of hospitalization and for COVID and the highest 100% and highest incidence rate of deaths from COVID between the top 12 and 15 states have Republican governors. Yeah, we're yeah, talking I don't know Texas, what Texas, Florida. Mean, we've Georgia. heard the difference in philosophy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, if, you I, go, I, it's, if you look at the states with the highest vaccination rates and the states with the lowest vaccination rates, you can easily distinguish them on who they voted for in the last election. That makes no sense to me. Why would a Republican and a Democrat have a different view about science? But Thank they you. Seem, we've gotten to a particular point here where it's different. And I don't understand how this happened, but, it, but the, the data that we're seeing are quite stark and it's very troubling because the medicine and science should be independent of politics and science, but somehow it's become co-mixed, all right? Yeah, well, that's why- We have know. a public health emergency. And, yeah. and you're telling me that because it, 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 you're, it's violation of your rights that you have to wear a, vac a mask or, or, or take a vaccine. I don't understand that. What about the violation of my rights um, or the community's rights and the right. community good? It's, we've never, I don't in my lifetime, don't believe that we ever had a situation like this. I don't understand it. Uh, this is not the forum for either of, or for me to go into my political perspectives on these no, things. No, I want to stay with the science my, because that's you know, incomplete. But, but these are data. Yes. You tell me what explanation, what is the explanation for that? I don't know, it, but it's the facts. Yeah, well, today we question everything including whether or not the earth's around. <laughs> We're going to take a short break and when we get back, we'll, we'll explore that a little more. Stick around. Hey there, JATQ listeners. We deeply appreciate your listenership and the audience we've been able to cultivate while producing this podcast. Thanks to all of your support, we've been able to ramp things up and create even more content for you to enjoy. Through our Patreon page, there are lots of new and exciting things to check out. Due to the way Patreon is set up, it's entirely up to you, the listener, to decide what that content is worth. The podcast episodes will always be free, but if you want to gain access to our weekly newsletter, ad-free episodes, exclusive merch, and much, much more, you'll want to head over to patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon.com slash J-A-T-Q podcast. Thanks. Have a great day. Hi, we're back. It's Just Ask the Question. With me is Dr. Stephen Hoffman, and we, we're solving the ills of the world today, Dr. Hoffman. But I, I guess the, the, the question, you know, as we went into break was uh, – talking about why some people think the way they do. And I, I want to explore the possibility of, I, I mean, look, I, I'm a lay person. I don't have a degree in, in science. My, my first scholarship to college was in earth science. And I considered it, it, you know, as science, you know, and took many courses. However, I'm not an expert and I def defer to those who are, but it seems to me that would you support and do you think we need additional science education in this country to overcome some of this? 
I think we need all kinds of better education. <laughs> we, we all see these. We, we all see see these uh, these uh, surveys, or you know, Jimmy Fallon will introduce you know interview somebody on the street or something or like that, and the the level of ignorance of such a high percentage of the population is extraordinary. And um, yes, we need much better scientific education. But the fact is that um, it's not that easy, right? It's oh. not yet easy to, um, there, there, what we've also lost is this element of trust. Um, yeah. there, there used to be a better, higher trust in all of our institutions and it's been undermined. And one of those is the medical profession and another is science um, or, you know, biomedical science and the, which is the foundation for what, how we practice medicine, evidence-based medicine. And there's a lack of trust there. And um, I don't under, you know, and, and part of it has to do with the accessibility to data, all right? Whether it's right, wrong or indifferent. So. 30 years ago, when you were in school and your mother was wanted to find out, is it going to be okay for you to get that vaccine? Um, it was pretty hard for her. You want to go to the public library, you know, pull something off the shelf. Right. Now she can just go to her computer and she can get every opinion possible. And now a lot of those opinions are going to say, no way you give your son, you know, the polio vaccine anymore or the measles vaccine. And so a much higher percentage of the population has access to data or information, much of which is inaccurate. Now, I don't, this is not my field, but we've all read stuff in the last few months about like on Facebook, what percentage of the information that's communicated is false, right? Um, and whatever platform you talk about. So this immediate access uh, and and a, a forum for people promulgating false information is extraordinary. And it's given a freedom to people to try to do, as they say, I've done research, but that's <laughs> different from doing the kind of research I do, all right? Yeah, you know, it, going on the internet and looking at, at uh, what different people say is not doing really research. I mean, you're doing a survey, but yeah. research has to do the formal stuff we do with these vaccines. And there's one last thing I just wanna say um, that, that's really quite extraordinary. We have these, the Pfizer BioNTech and we have the Moderna vaccines, you know, mRNA vaccines. The first research on, these are called nucleotide, DNA and RNA vaccines. They're, they're yeah. not made for like our other vaccines, any of them. The research for that started in the early 1990s. I know because I was heavily involved on the DNA side, which never quite worked out. But people kept at it. They kept at it for the past 30 years. There's never been until the current vaccines a licensed RNA, mRNA vaccine. But look at what, after 30 years of research, much criticism, we're pouring money down the drain and so on. You get the guys from BioNTech, you get the guys from Moderna, who actually were poised to make a difference and what a difference they've made. It's extraordinary. Yeah. This is, you know, science doesn't happen overnight. It just so happened that we had a perfect storm as, you know, this mixture of a disease that was waiting for a, a solution and the solution waiting on the shelf and it actually worked, but it wouldn't have happened if there hadn't been funding in science. And how can I explain that? 
you know, to a layperson, all right? That it's not gonna be solved in two years, three years, four years, five years. The, the, the interventions that your grandchildren are gonna get 20, 30 years from now are on the shelf, are being investigated right now. Right. And it's gonna take another 20 years to get to the next. This is a revolution what has happened here. The revolution of the vaccine technologies, the revolution of the fact that we've given 6 billion doses of vaccines since the mid-December last year, never happened in the history of the world. Right. Um, and of course, the, the millions of deaths, 700,000 in the United States, 4 million worldwide, has also not happened for a long time. But- um, Well, let's, let's talk a little it, bit about- It's all based on- yeah, Let's talk yeah. a little bit about that. The, the deaths. Now, in my research as a layperson, and I actually did, you know, like not just what people said, but I actually looked at case studies and numbers. The pandemic in 1918, the last time that we had a, a pandemic, and it was a flu pandemic in the United States, it was the second, the first wave killed, the second wave killed even worse. And then after that, it the, the death rate subsided, and um, the we actually never got rid of that flu it's now part of the it's it's evolved and it's part of the seasonal flu that everybody gets um sure. and and may have actually not begun in and uh it wasn't the spanish flu it may have actually begun in the united states according to some of the research that i've read on a pig farm in mid-missouri or something but i'll blame my in-laws for that later but um <laughs> but but when you look at it the the natural what i've tried to ask dr fauci maybe you can explain it too is it seems to me that when I did the look at the way these things tend to evolve is that they evolve so that they don't kill the host because in killing the host, it also kills the flu. So the flu actually mutates to something that's less virulent as time progresses. But this one has become more virulent um, the, and the efficacy of the drugs while maintaining the same is, is, is while maintaining is also a big fear that as it evolves, it will, the drugs will be less, the vaccine will be less effective. So is it odd the way this, this uh, particular um, virus has, has mutated and evolved? Or is, do we expect that in the future, we won't get, it'll be an endemic and we won't get rid of it. It'll just evolve into something less dangerous. That was a mouthful. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, and, and of course, um, I would go go back to the you know the statement that you made before, which is that um, I can sit here for two hours and give you a lecture on evolutionary biology and where it should go, where it shouldn't go, where it could go. But the answer is that we don't know, and that um, why is it that we didn't have anything like this for a hundred years? Yeah. Right. Why is it that the you know flu and, and I can talk to you about some of the things we know about the virus. I'm not an expert in any way, shape, or form on influenza. But the fact is that this is, again, an answer. To, you know, the answer is we don't know. We're working desperately. We do know that vaccine-induced immune responses, particularly antibodies, can control this virus. This has been shown definitively. We do know that the virus could has the potential to evolve. We do know that when we get people, let you know, fewer and fewer people vaccinated, that the chance for that occurring 
increases for you know of a mutant coming up that right. could escape the immune responses, um, particularly if someone is moderately protected or they had a re previous infection and they don't have optimal antibodies or T cell responses. So the answer to your question is, I don't know the answer to that question. All I know is that we have really serious teams all over the world working to be able to address that in real time with vaccines. We heard yesterday about uh, a, a drug, a repurposed drug that was actually developed initially for influenza by at Emory University and then with a company in, in Florida and then taken up by Merck. And that's looking really good, all right? Uh, but then you have, of course, you know, and that drug, what I read, and I don't know, I'm not privy to it, is for five days of that drug is gonna cost $700. And the vaccine is costing $25 a dose, you know? So, I mean, but people, some people will be very happy to not get the vaccine and take the drug. Yeah, and that's not- You made this point earlier. What, what is the logic there? I mean, <laughs> you're, you're willing to take ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, other things that are only partially effective when you've got a vaccine that you only have to get a few doses of, and it's effect, much higher effect, effectiveness at least in you know in in the first six months and so. What on. about the now in in response to that? There are those who say, "Look, I don't need to take anything." Of course, if they were in the hospital, they would you know take whatever the hospital gave them if they were dying, and many have. But they say we don't need to take anything. All we need to do is boost our natural immunity, and we can do that by eating right and exercising, and that'll keep us from getting infected with the virus. What do you tell those folks? I say, I mean, look at what, I, I mean, I, I don't like to highlight, but you've got your, you know, radio announcers, disc jockeys in Tennessee or whatever, who said all of that stuff and ended up dying. Of course, particularly initially, the large percentage of people dying were people who were immunocompromised or had severe underlying illnesses. But in the last three, four you know, months, particularly with Delta variant, we're seeing younger people dying, people that previously didn't have anything. But again, we've been able to keep people alive and have productive lives who have diabetes, who have other underlying illnesses, who can live till 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, and now they're being knocked off by this. And um, we, you know, we're not quite sure why amongst healthy people, some go down and some don't. But we have such extraordinary evidence that that's not the case, right? Right. Um, that that your yes, your chance of of getting severe disease and dying are diminished if you are healthy, you exercise. But we've got people who run ten miles a day who and are thin died. as a rail with no, no medications who have died of this disease. And, and when we talk about furthermore. Okay, I'm sorry. And wait a second, but furthermore, okay. you can spread this disease to other people, whether it's your grandma or your or somebody else that you don't know who's really much more susceptible. So we we have to keep thinking about our role as citizens, our roles as patriots, our roles and our responsibilities to our fellow citizens. Anything that we can do personally to reduce the chance that we would be able to spread it to somebody else who might die. I, I think it's a no-brainer, but, but that, that type of perspective is not what we're hearing from people. All they care about is 
my individual right, my chance of dying. I don't care about the other people that, that I might spread it to. At least that's my interpretation. They yeah. might have a different view on that. But that we, we you know, that's why, um, you know, California just mandated that all everybody who can be vaccinated, all students have to be vaccinated. It's why the president is demanding workers to be vaccinated. Um, the and so it, it does become our job, people like me in the profession, to be able to try to communicate, uh, hopefully through shows like this. And I would just, you know, we're getting nearer to the end. And I want to just want to say again, no time in the history of mankind, humankind, has anybody ever gotten this many people immunized with these few serious adverse events with so much protective efficacy um, over time. This is unique in the history of the world. Do you want yes, to talk to me about it for granted. chances? Yeah, we take right. that for granted. I, I, don't, I, I don't even begin to understand what they're saying. You want to point out this person or that person, but that person or this person might have died anyway. They, you know, there's going to be a certain percentage of the population. This is, uh, to my mind, probably the, you know, the safest, safest worldwide endeavor ever done in medicine. I mean, there aren't microchips. There aren't and, microchips in the uh, uh, vaccine, and uh, the government isn't following right. you, and it's not going to give you autism, right? That's, right. I mean, those are some of the arguments that I hear every day. And when people say there's microchips in the vaccine and the government's going to follow you, I go, why the hell would the government care to follow you? <laughs> what the hell? You already have a cell phone. Right. If the government wants you, they, you know, they can find you. And those who, who scream them out are usually wearing an Apple watch. And I, I don't understand, I, like you, I don't get it, but I want to try to appeal to those people in, in, in through this program and through other means to get them to understand that the vaccine is safe, it's effective, and, and, and it works. And I, there are people who are convinced that because we haven't had a vaccine, because we haven't had a pandemic in 100 years, that this was manufactured. And that the, when they tell you it's safe, the government's just out to get you. They're not out to help you. And I can't, that paranoia, I can't. Which government? Are we talking about the U.S. government, yes. the U.K. government, the British government, the Swiss government? It's like, oh, they're all out to get you? Yeah, right? that's it. You know, um, it, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Um, I'm a doctor, all right? I'm not benefiting from COVID over here, as far as I can tell. I'm making a malaria vaccine. We're trying to make a COVID vaccine also, but a different sort. Um, but... I've given it to my 97-year-old mother. The moment that she could get a booster, she got it. You know, yeah. the moment others in my family could get it. And I have grandchildren that I hope and pray eventually will they'll be able to get it. They're under, they're three years old, you know, one year old. Um, it's, I would give it, you know, at a moment's notice to all of them. I believe that I, I study vaccines from the last 30 years, I have a team of physicians because we have to run our build, you know, our companies, and we meet every day to discuss the literature on this. We pull down, I have a young physician, and I see something, you know, that's mentioned in the lay press, go get that article, let's look at it. Um, we've looked at all the way along from hand sanitizers to masks to vaccines to the best vaccine, and we are 
jumping at the opportunity to get our families vaccinated. Uh, are we stupid? I mean, am I missing something here? Am I, I'm not benefiting from that. Am I just, you know, delusional? I mean, so that's where we're left with this. And I'm well, happy to talk to anybody about it, but the data are so overwhelming that it's, it's I don't even know what to say. Well, what, it's what safe. It's safe. It's safe. Now, there and those, it works. Yeah. And, and, there, and like any vaccine, will, the work, will it diminish? So let me just back, say one other thing, Brian. Sure. Three weeks ago, my brother, my brother-in-law, my sister-in-law, my sister-in-law's brother, all living in New Jersey, all of whom were fully vaccinated, all of whom have avoided COVID during the entire pandemic by being exceptionally safe in their interactions, and a cousin in LA, within the space of one week, they all got COVID. Initially, they all told me they had a cold. And I said, you're crazy, you got COVID. Um, <laughs> three, one of them became quite ill, but recovered. I got, all three of them were treated with monoclonal antibody infusions. The fourth, was, who was in his mid seventies, was on hemodialysis. He ended up in the intensive care unit on 100% oxygen with the thought that he might die fully vaccinated, and this is what Delta variant can do, the combination of, of waning immunity from the vaccine and um, the Delta variant, and who knows what other variants. So we have to be mindful, but as I said, they had all been vaccinated six months before. They need boosters. The booster is gonna be, get us longer immunity than the first two doses. I'm quite confident of that. And I think that's what the data are showing. And then um, what we have to eventually- it's not magic. We still have to keep doing it. Yes, well, I'm sure we will. Yeah, that's- uh, I But mean, when, when that occurs remains to be seen. I don't think it'll be in six months. I think it'll be beyond that. I hope so. I mean, and we have two like types of I, vaccines that are coming up. It, it feels yeah. to me like when I went to school. Yeah, you, you just go and you get, a, you, know, you get a booster shot. That's what, you know- right. Brian, you got to go to school, go get your booster shot. What's the big deal? And you'll get, it's like the flu vaccine. Yeah. You'll end up having it on a yearly basis. And the people at highest risk will, will be really pushing it forward because they're the ones who are still going to be the brunt of, of the serious disease and death. And so when we talk about uh, the other thing that I wanted to hit upon was those who, you know, there is a development of a pill, the COVID pill. And there are those who are saying, yeah, it's, it's uh, developed by the same guy who developed the, the horse dewormer. It's the same thing. Well, I looked at the chemical makeup because you can look at it and it's online. Uh, it's, they're not the same, but, 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 but it's not even close. Thank you. All right. So yeah, the pill that they're coming up with for COVID is not at our vector, 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 It's not. Ivermectin. No. no. Yeah. It's a completely different mechanism of action. It's completely different. It happens that at the end of the day, it was Merck who developed ivermectin, having it come from different sources earlier. And same thing, Merck is the final repository for this, for this, you know, um, but it didn't come from Merck initially. It came from, as I said, Emory, and then this uh, biotech company um, that eventually partnered with Merck. 
And so if someone were to tell you, look, just go out and get some horse dewormer, or have your doctor prescribe that, what would you tell those people? I'd tell them that <laughs> I don't, uh, well, let me back up for a second. There have been a lot of reports on, on this and some of them from very reliable sources, all right? right. So uh, is there some grain of truth in there? Maybe. Uh, do we have better ways to attack SARS-CoV-2? Absolutely. Can ivermectin hold a candle to the vaccines? No. Can ivermectin hold a candle to the monoclonal antibody infusions? Absolutely not. All right. These are specific treatments. Um, I have, you constipated know, I, I can work. talk to, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, and so um, I know some reputable physicians who actually do believe that it may have some impact. The majority don't, all right? You know, the FDA has been, uh, been reluctant to say anything about this. The CDC have all been pretty negative about it. Um, people are still studying chloroquine, hydroxychloroquine. Is there right. some grain of truth in there? I don't know. I mean, when, when subjected to the real, the kind of studies that the vaccines have been subjected to, it doesn't come close. I mean, not even a, a whiff of being as close. Right. right? So, um, but, so I wouldn't recommend it. Um, there's I mean, other I drugs out to... there that I have been, you know. Well, if the science shows that it, it works, the science shows that it works, you use it. But the science hasn't shown that. I mean, right. to me, it's the same as, Right. You know, do, do I want to take, do, do I want to go see a, a minor league game or a major league game? Is, you know, what's more effective? What's the, it, the, in this case, it's definitely the vaccine. That's, it's far more effective than anything else we've developed. And you can't take the vaccine yeah, after you've gotten the, the infected. That's not going to help you. Those people in the hospital screaming right. for a vaccine, it's too late. You had to get it before you it's got it. It's too late. Yeah. Right. And the monoclonal antibodies work before you get into the hospital also. I mean, they, by the time you get there, it's very difficult for them. So, you know, there, I, I guess what I truly don't understand is, you know, I've devoted my entire career to um, diagnosing, treating, and preventing infectious diseases. In my case, tropical infectious diseases like malaria, typhoid fever, and so on. You have so many people, physicians who are killing themselves during the course of this pandemic, diagnosing, treating, and trying to prevent this disease. Do, do these people think that all of us have something to benefit from this? Yes, right? they you know, do. The, 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 the doctors who are taking, in Louisiana, you know, that, and fortunately it's coming down in the Southeast and, and so on, but the doctors for those few months that were working 24 seven, the nurses and so on, 24 seven in those hospitals, taking care of essentially individuals who refused to get vaccinated, putting their own lives on the line, their family's life. They think they got something from that, that they wanted to, you know, I, that's what I don't understand here, all right? Well, the medical I'm profession is in essence telling you that this is not the way to go and you're reading this lay literature, and of course, some physicians are out there recommending it, uh, but they, we, we, we do things based on 
serious prospective double-blind placebo-controlled trials. You can't show me one trial of hydroxychloroquine or of ivermectin that shows convincingly in that type of setting that this stuff is really effective. And unless you want to get, you know, I can show you a trial that that Merck just published yesterday or reported on where this drug, you know, reduced by 50% hospitalizations. The numbers are still small. It was only about five or 600 people total, but they stopped it because it looked so dramatic and they had no deaths, you know, in, in that. Um, and people will say that, Mer that Merck is out there suppressing their own drug that they developed 30 or 40 years ago so they can make some money on this new drug. I mean, I've heard this my entire medical career. You've heard yes. it over the years with cancer treatments and whatever, is that uh, everybody is grasping at with straws, you know, and I can understand it in cancer because if you have an untreatable cancer, you know, uh, then you, you're going to go to any extreme to get something for it. But here we have something, you know, people would be saying, okay, look at how bad it was in New York and New Jersey in last March, February, yes. March, April. We didn't have any, we didn't have rules. We didn't know about all of the social distancing. We didn't have all the masks. We didn't have anything then. That's different than a year later when you've got vaccines that you know will prevent this um, in 80, 90, 95, whatever percent, but a really high percentage of individuals, that's different. Now we actually have tools which have been proven to be effective and you don't want to use them. I don't get it. Well, and they don't want to listen to people who, look, your frustration is you spent your entire life, you know, researching it. And I've spent my entire life, my entire professional life trying to communicate to people facts and to be told right. that I'm merely a tool of George Soros or the medical, you know, big pharma, because I, I said, listen, the people, you know, I've sat in on these, you know, on Fauci's uh, Zoom meetings. I've been at, at, in all of those debriefings. I've spoken to scientists like yourself. I would trust the trust has eroded and I can't communicate to some people why they should trust if they're, if at the end of the day, they think that big government, big government's out to get me. I, I, I can't make headway, but I, there are people that are sitting on the fence that I hope we can still reach. But the, I guess well, the ultimate question well, is, so. yeah, the ultimate question is, can we reach enough people that this pandemic, we can see it, uh, it subside. And that's the question. That's the ultimate question. And what do you think of it? Can we? Yes, oh, I think we can. I think we are. I think we're getting more people vaccinated. I think we're going to have another tool, which is the drugs. I think they'll hopefully there'll be better drugs, but we have to keep in mind that we don't have a good drug for influenza, right? No, we have, we have Tamiflu, which is, you know, but it's not not 100%. It's not like treating an ear infection with with an antibiotic or a sign or, or whatever. So uh, we're going to get better interventions. You know, so many people are working so hard to try to come up with interventions. Um, but what again, we have people working and and you know the FDA comes in for a lot of criticism also. You can't yeah. begin to imagine how hard the people at the FDA have been working for the last <laughs> year and a half. It's nonstop, and 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 um, it's it's difficult. 
Tony Fauci, the man's 80 years old. He, how does anybody keep going? He makes himself available to talk for anybody. All right. Yeah. Is he getting paid? No way. All right. But he's making himself available because he feels so deeply about this and the importance of it. Um, and it kills me when people say that, oh, they don't trust him. What are they I, I know. gaining out of this? Yeah. Right. Um, well, he's getting on TV. That's I mean, I hear that. I'm yeah. like, you think the yeah. guy wants to get everybody infected so he can get on TV? There are easier ways to do it. Have you seen Jackass? He can right. ride a bicycle naked and get on TV. Right. <laughs> so so I would just hope that I mean, I think that uh, the vaccination rates went up for a while in the summer when when COVID was really so bad. Um, in certain parts of the country, they've they've diminished dramatically now. Um, you have lots of people clamoring to get boosters. Um, yes, and so um, and we have Getting the rest on. of the world, of course, that we have to, you know, that we need to get get vaccinated, and we are trying to help with that. Uh, we have much less of. Uh, we got lots of people on vaccine tourism coming to the United States to get vaccinated because they can't get the vaccine in their own country. Um, yeah. And so we have the kind of anti-vaccination uh, perspective that we see here, um, depending upon where you are in the world, doesn't exist or is much less so. And it's here we are a country of wealth, a country that we could vaccinate every single person in this country um, if they Easily. would show up yeah. and they don't easily and um and so i think we just have to keep up we have to keep trying what we're doing we this is what we live with all right um i would hope that we can you know bridge the gap i mean i saw some information um that um who did this somebody did this survey um that's 92 percent of self-identified democrats are vaccinated and 56% of self-identified Republicans are vaccinated. That just came out, are vaccinated. Why is that? It shouldn't be that way. You know, this right. is not a Republican or Democratic vaccine. It's not a conservative versus liberal vaccine. It's a vaccine. Um, and, you know, it's not any more or less safe in one group versus the other. I, I, I don't understand it. Um, yeah, it yeah. But this is what we, and we have to bridge that gap. And can we, I, I don't know, but we have, you know, we keep trying in my companies, you know, we, we didn't demand vaccination, but I cheerleaded a hunt into a hundred percent vaccination. And now we don't hire anybody uh, that in their offer letter says they have to be vaccinated, yeah. but I didn't force my staff. I did it through education. I mean, now, of course, we're a vaccine company, so I, did, I didn't have a very high <laughs> mountain to climb, yeah. but there were. There were individuals and we treated them gingerly and with respect and with data and with education. And eventually everybody came around. And I feel uh, um, proud of that. Um, yes. But um, I, we just have to go forward. And, and this too will end. Um, this is the nature of infectious diseases, it, but we may end up living with it, with vaccination, with some drugs like other illnesses. And um, it may, into, you know, different years rear its 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 ugly head more so or less so. Uh, but it's not. We're going to have to go back to um, 
more or less a regular life. But you have to understand in Asia, people have been wearing masks since SARS of, of 20 yeah. years ago, many yeah, parts of the yeah. population. And so our habits will change a bit, but I think that we will eventually be able to uh, go back to life as, as we knew it with some modifications. Ah, with on that upbeat note, we're gonna take a short break. We'll be right back for some final thoughts. Stick around. Hey, Just Ask the Question podcast listeners. If you've got a second, head on over to Twitter and follow our official page, J-A-T-Q podcast. That's J-A-T-Q podcast. Again, that's at J-A-T-Q podcast. Hi, we're back. It's Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Kerman. With us is Dr. Stephen Hoffman. And uh, I guess the, I, uh, let's talk about you kind of hinted at it before the break, but as we wind this down, where do you think we'll be three, six, nine months out a year from now? Where do you think we'll be in dealing with this, uh, the COVID pandemic? And what do you see that when you say more or less normal, what do you think will permanently change? I think that a good percentage of the population um, is going to be more mindful of quote unquote sanitary measures, right? Uh, you know, when we grew up, my grandmother was, was always on me to wash my hands all the time, right? And I think that we've become um, less rigorous regarding some of those types of, of things. I think that a certain part, part of the population will be wearing masks till the end of days. But because we've seen that already, even in Asia, all right? right? That's been going on for 20 years there. If you went on the streets and whether it's Tokyo or Singapore or whatever, there, was gonna, there were people wearing masks five yes. years ago. Um, I think that you'll see parts of the population. I think that... Um, Certainly for the next few years, you're going to have people like me who are older and perhaps more susceptible, being more careful. Um, but I think that there's, we're, the history of hu human, humanity will tell us that we're not going to live um, in a, this kind of restricted way forever. It's just, it, it's we're not, social it, it animal. won't happen. Yeah. And I don't... Yeah, and I don't believe I believe that we that the the what the coronavirus as we know it will uh, the combination of the evolution that you talked about the evolutionary biology uh, that will get to some kind of stable state where we come in with vaccinations we come in with drugs that will cut you know the incidence of severe disease. And we'll end up living with it because it becomes part of who we are. Um, how exactly we're going to stabilize? At what level will it be exactly the way we were before? I doubt it. So for some people, it will be, uh, but for others, it won't. There's going to be a higher percent of the population that's going to be more careful. Certainly for the next five years, is my guess, because yeah. of the trauma of what we've all gone through here and fear. Fear, you know, different people deal with anxiety and fear of the unknown in different ways. Um, and we're seeing that, of course, on one side of it in terms of vaccination. 
there's got to be people out there who are really still haven't emerged uh, because of fear of getting the virus. Um, and so um, that's, I think that's what we're going to end up seeing. And so it, it, we'll close with this. Uh, six months from now, when we've gotten through winter, it's uh, you know spring and headed towards summer. Uh, do you think it'll be uh, dissipated enough that there's a, a healthy return to normalcy? Yeah, I think that at that point, I think you'll find me on a plane to Africa where I haven't been for several years, you know, do our vaccine trials. You'll find me on a plane to Europe to be with our collaborators. Um, will I, at that particular point, um, be eating ad, you know, ad lib, so to speak, indoors, which I haven't been doing? Um, I hope so. Um, will I be planning to go to a, a 60,000 person jammed with young people rock, rock concert um, to see some old guys like Bruce Springsteen or, or the Rolling Stones? Probably not, even if it's outside. But I just don't know. Um, well, damn it, since I, I play in a band, that's got me. <laughs> I, you know, I, 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 we're gathering data all the time. That's what the science is going to be doing. Um, I will leave you with, we planned for our companies an outdoor event with everybody coming uh, to like a, a barbecue and stuff. And it was supposed to take place in June and it got rained out two different weekends and then Delta came. So I had to stop it. My, my medical team said, we can't do this. Yeah. We had an event yesterday on our patio with about 15 people instead of the whole company with some dumplings and beer uh, for the first time. Um, and so I think that we can get there uh, and, and um, you're going to have groups like ours, which are much more pouring over the science every single day and the reports and making decisions based on that and others who aren't. And um, I, I just would say, Brian, I went to a wedding last Saturday night in Connecticut where there was outside, there were six people masked. They were all doctors, all right? Then they all went inside and my wife and I left. Uh, but people were behaving as if there wasn't a pandemic, that it yeah. never existed. So we're already seeing uh, this push towards the social animal and back towards the way we were. Um, and I think that as we get a better handle on it and, and more people get vaccinated and boosted and we get the drugs, you're gonna see more and more of that. Uh, well, that and I hope that thing. there's not some intervening, intervening catastrophe with, you know, a, a worse virus um, that we, but we can't know. Right. Well, your mouth to God's ears, hopefully, you, you know, we can get through this and then, you know, at some point in time, you can come out and see my band play. <laughs> well, All right. We'll have fun. I'm looking, we'll have you play it up. We'll there have you, you play at our event. How about that? I, I'd be All happy right? to. I'm serious. I, I, I'd be happy to. We'll bring, you know, our band has a, a district court judge, an attorney, myself, um, a construction guy, and then, of course, uh, a criminal. So we're, we've are we got the whole criminal justice system down. We're right. We're good to go. <laughs> Listen, you're, you're being the criminal. Is that the yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, according to some. <laughs> 
Well, what, listen. What that, kind of music do you play? It's yeah. rock and roll, baby. It's 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 rock and roll. It's good okay. for your soul. That's <laughs> blues rock and rock and roll. So uh, listen, I, I appreciate you coming out. Uh, I'd love to have you back again, Dr. Hoffman. Thanks for joining us. The show is just asked the question. Please listen to the scientists. Please get vaxxed. Please use common sense. That's all I ask. <laughs> Thanks, and we'll catch you next time. All right. Hey there, JATQ listeners. We deeply appreciate your listenership and the audience we've been able to cultivate while producing this podcast. Thanks to all of your support, we've been able to ramp things up and create even more content for you to enjoy. Through our Patreon page, there are lots of new and exciting things to check out. Due to the way Patreon is set up, it's entirely up to you, the listener, to decide what that content is worth. The podcast episodes will always be free. But if you want to gain access to our weekly newsletter, ad-free episodes, exclusive merch, and much, much more, you'll want to head over to patreon.com slash J-A-T-Q podcast. That's patreon.com slash J-A-T-Q podcast. Thanks. Have a great day.